Hello again, welcome back to Creative Chit Chat. Um, this week, I'm still Ryan McLeod and I'm joined by Jane Collins, who is an illustrator and a ceramicist um, who sort of spent her time between Dundee, Glasgow and Toronto um, and then sort of looped back to Dundee a few years ago. And we go through this sort of her journey of, of creating and building digital connections and friendships and then making them real world um things, I suppose. Um, she talks about that, talks about how she sort of built this this audience online to sell her work to and has then got commissions off the back of it. Um and then we go into this sort of idea of, of balance of um yeah, what I call it the holy grail. Um, so being creatively fulfilled and financially stable, um, that seems to be the holy grail. I, th- I think it's a it's a, a struggle for for every creative, um, myself included, um, to find that 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 sort of healthy balance of the two. Yeah, and we also talk about um, sort of spaces within the city, which I think is sort of, um, is definitely a, a a big discussion point as we sort of see the deterioration of of high streets in Dundee and sort of all over Scotland and UK um, and that how do we look at an alternative model to, to sort of reconsider those spaces um, and then the sort of sharing and uh, learning of, of creative practice and creative skills and how Jane got into ceramics and, and going on to one of these sort of beginner's classes that you can sort of pick that up and then it became sort of a core part of her practice um, and it, yeah just those actual um, like basic skills classes are, are really great at making like design creative professions like more accessible. And granted, um, there's often a, a sort of cost implication and you need to pay for these sort of classes, but they're a great way of doing it. And maybe if we could all pull together as a, a sort of creative community and offer that more as a, a city-wide service, um, maybe we could create a really interesting offering um, together. So I'll leave that for you to mull over um, and we go into that a bit more depth in the episode but yeah um, I still need your questions um, episode 99 is going to be pretty boring if I don't get them in it'll just be me and some static for about 30 minutes um, so yeah please do send me some questions uh, for the 99th episode I'm going to do a bit of a Q&A answering your questions that you send in um, I've got a few so far but I need way more than that um, so please do keep sending them in and yeah that's it let's get into the f- Episode number 92 with Jen Collins. Weird. Starting in the beginning. I don't know. It sounds kind of cliched, but I very distinctly, as someone I'll also kind of disclaimer with who feels they don't have a very good memory, very distinctly remember being quite little and my dad saying that you could be an artist as a job and kind of finding that like tiny mind blowing because up until that point, you had the kind of really standard, like, you could be a nurse or a doctor or a firebird, like a firefighter or a police officer. And then being told that you could, like, draw for a living, like, I think that would have been the point where I thought, okay, that's something I want to do in a very abstract sense. Um, and then I guess fast forward through high school and having a kind of brief kind of diversion where I really want to be a vet, as a lot of teenage girls do, I suppose, Um applied for art college and ended up getting to Dungan Jorgensen where did first year and then when it came to deciding what to specialize in going to a talk about illustration and the 
head of the department giving the talk in a kind of I suppose in a succinct sense said you know you can apply this to so many things and I think the the kind of limitless limitlessness of of it as a, a specialism was what drew me in so I applied and did illustration and then um, did illustration at uni and then afterwards kind of had a sort of vague determination that it was something I wanted to continue doing um vague in that I kind of and I think this is a sort of recurring theme on the podcast uh, at least because I've listened to a few people who've done illustration didn't really know what that meant or how to do it so kind of muddled my way through because I mean <laughs> so from studying illustration are there like generally there's a few set career routes for yeah. each creative profession so what for illustration what are those sort of sort of predefined routes that you could take after illustration well I think I mean I remember if I ever told anyone I want to go to art school this obviously takes away from illustration slightly um and kind of well maybe curtaining illustration uh people would be like oh do you want to be an art teacher or a children's book illustrator and I'm just like no uh not not particularly inclined to do either of those things so I would kind of say in some description I left not even having a sort of definitive idea of what that even meant still which isn't to say that we weren't offered like you know you could go more specifically and do like focus on editorial or you know do like book illustration and publications you um, say editorial yeah like uh, sorry so like um working to provide imagery for like for example like magazines or newspapers um and i think kind of sticking with the idea that the reason I did illustration was because it was so limitless was that I kind of never really wanted to just stay with one avenue and I felt like if the work could be applied to different um different areas of illustration then I'd be quite happy to do that given some idea of like well what what the brief was or whether I kind of felt like it worked for how I work and why how I how I draw um so yeah there are like are lots of avenues that you can go down but um I've never really picked one <laughs> and I think that's okay because it means I've done like interesting things mm-hmm. but uh yeah I do probably sometimes wonder what I've been like maybe to have started with a bit more of a kind of defined route um and how different I would feel and what how like what my work would look like now if I had done um so at the point of sort of graduation, you've done four years. Mm-hmm. Um, then where did you where did you go from there? How did you start that career? Um, well, I definitely kind of felt a little bit lost because um, I I graduated with a two two, which at the time I was kind of pissed off about. But um, with kind of age and wisdom uh, and hindsight, I can appreciate like why I got a two two. And if anything, it kind of the annoyance that that fueled my determination to keep on drawing so it didn't necessarily turn out to be a bad thing in that sense um but yeah I would say that I mean I left kind of feeling a bit directionless and not I don't even know at the time how much I kind of uh felt that that was like a fault of the course or if it was just like me and I didn't know what I wanted to do but I mean for example I left university not knowing that I had to if I wanted to be a freelance artist I didn't know I had to sign up to like as a freelance artist like as a self-employed person I remember a friend telling me and I was just like oh shit I probably should do that then (laughs) uh so things like that like really kind of kind of first stage level stuff of like 
just not even knowing to start from a business sense, let alone like kind of how to like apply my work to things. Um, so yeah, I think muddled through is definitely very applicable to how I kind of continued on. Um, I think uh, something that I'd like when we, uh, like me and my year were preparing for our degree show, we had an illustration shop within our um, within our degree show. I think we were the first year that did that because I know that illustration as a department at DJ had do that every year now. Um, and with that money, we had like a, a series of prints that actually we had kind donations from um, other people uh, like in years below us who donated prints to then kind of sell and go towards um, going down to um, New Blood DNAD in London where you can kind of set up your work and show it to the world, I suppose. Um, but we also were able to like sell our own work and that was kind of, I think, the first time I'd ever sold kind of products to people who saw them, liked them, bought them and then I had some money, which is, you know, always a nice ending to something like that. Uh, so yeah, kind of going off of that, at least, um, I kind of set up an online shop, um, at the time it was Etsy cause it was quite like, you know, well known as a, as a platform for people to sell like handmade work, um, which is kind of less, maybe it's focused now. Um, and yeah, that was kind of like my starting point in a sense of having that as an end goal for like making work, like personal work. So like with the idea of like, I'll make something, Oh, I'll, well, I guess going back, I'll draw, I'll decide on something that I like or like I think would work as a set of product. And at that time, it was mostly paper products. Then make them. Uh, and at that point, with a low budget, was like things I'd be making myself. So like prints, um, like screen prints, or I had a Gawkle printer at the time, which is a printer that doesn't really kind of widely exist anymore. It's like a kind of home screen printing unit, um, essentially. Uh, and then sold things online <laughs> and that was like kind of the first I mean actually I should probably be up front in my first tax return I like had a big fat zero on there because uh at that point I was just like I have no idea what I'm doing I'm not making money and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing uh and then the next year kind of like kind of put more focus on actually then being like okay well if I want to make money from this like what, what am I doing how do I do that and so how are you at that point do you have another job are you Oh yeah, no, I, I had like a, a part-time job in my final year of illustration and then continued that for like about a year after university and um, made about enough to like kind of live off of. Uh, but I was getting to a point where I was kind of scrambling and thinking like, okay, I don't really know how to kind of keep up with what I'm doing just now with this level of income. It wasn't quite enough. And then about, I think I... I think less than a year after graduating, I ended up actually getting a full-time job. Um, doing something that I hadn't even kind of planned as a route, which was like um, arts marketing. But um, that kind of sat alongside what I was doing quite nicely and that it was within somewhere that was like creative and actually had like a level of creativity in that like you do have to be quite creative with marketing. And then uh, having my own time to then do my own stuff and at least having that alleviate the pressure of income yeah yeah because i think that that balance comes up a lot it's sort of like being able to like sustain your your living costs um and that's not always possible right off from the mm -hmm. start through your creative practice so therefore you have to get another job yeah but then it's trying to find that balance and trying to get a job that does sort of in some way reflect what you want to be doing yeah um and that uh, 
yeah that you enjoy and that complements the the other parts of yeah. your practice i mean i suppose i mean I, I don't think i don't think there would be any point that i can remember that tutors would ever have implied that having a job that wasn't uh rooted in like what you were studying was a bad thing um but i think there is like certainly this uh sort of unspoken um understanding that like the pinnacle is to just be like full-time creative and i appreciate that for a lot of people that would be like their ideal anyway um but as someone who actually quite likes working with people and hates working by myself all the time um i've always been quite comfortable with having something alongside like doing the creative stuff that it isn't that um yeah and i think it's okay to like for people to to be in that position as well why do you think it is that you like prefer working with other people and you don't so much like I think like the first time I ever actually had the opportunity to work full-time freelance was when I realized like how much I didn't enjoy being by myself all the time essentially um because up until that point I'd either had a job on the side of doing work or I'd worked with someone else in in a creative aspect of like making things and so then coming back well I'll probably mention it later but coming back to Scotland and then being by myself realized, made me realize how much I did not like it. <laughs> so um, that the first full-time position mm-hmm. um, how did that sort of progress and then where did you go sort of from there? Oh well, I guess like it was funny because in a sense it was a sort of um, side career that I hadn't anticipated at that point because I wasn't looking for that. Um, so worked as a marketing assistant. And then um, I guess for a while after that point, that job kind of defined to some extent where I was or like where I was based. Um, so like did that in Dundee for a while and then ended up um, getting a similar job in Glasgow, which is why I first left Dundee. Um, and I guess like... I still definitely saw it as like a kind of side thing to it kind of like complemented being creative and that was in the sense that I quite enjoy I guess having different things to work on so it was quite different um, and as I've said enjoy working with other people and being part of a team um, and working towards like a common goal in that sense. Um, so yeah that took me to Glasgow and that's kind of where I lived for a little, a little while as well. Um, doing that same thing of like balancing working and then working on my own stuff yeah and so at that point how would your um, the work you were producing on your own Mm. uh, practice how would that changed and evolved Mm -hmm. Um, I mean I guess having like repeating myself again but like not having to stress so much about money like gave me a sort of um, creative freedom to then do what I wanted um, I guess still kind of because I guess like the internet has to come to this at some point responding to like some level of expectations from people because I've used the internet as a platform of like showing and sharing my work since forever um, like since I was a teenager anyway and um, I think for a long time that's probably like to some degree informed what it is that I've done and then show people um so using the time that I had to then be creative uh in like whatever spare room I would have had at the time with the desk and um to kind of play and and 
kind of trying to decide what kind of subject matter was interesting to me, important to me, and then doing images based on that. Sometimes those images would become products, which I would sell. And then um, in terms of going beyond just like personal projects and making money for myself via selling things by sharing things online, having people see those, respond to those, and then um, get in touch with me to then inquire about working on something um, uh, as a kind of client illustrator exchange. Yeah. <laughs> and so you were sort of build, building your own audience online then based upon the work you were producing and the yeah, conversations kind of, you were having. Kind of un unintentionally, I suppose. Because um, I guess like I built like my first website when I was like probably... 13 or 14, a very, very crappy boom speed website. Shout out to anybody who remembers what that is. <laughs> and um, yeah, like using platforms, like I had a live journal, I had DeviantArt and using those as places to like share just anything that I was like working on. Um, and then, you know, enjoying the fact that like there was a, then a community of people out there who could like respond to that work, whether that was through just pure liking it or, um, uh, comments or feedback or kind of I don't know I guess potential collaborations that could come from that um, and then that kind of continuing on through when blogging was popular and using a blog as a platform to do that and share work and then I guess going swiftly onto social media starting with Twitter and then I guess like Flickr, Instagram and then that I feel like in some ways it's become not necessarily stagnant but like it's still kind of like the main platform for sharing a lot of visual work naturally because it's a like a visual platform yeah it feels kind of like some of it feels like ancient history now <laughs> in at least in the sense of technology and how it changes but yeah well it's, it's funny how like periods in your time periods in your life are defined by the technologies that you yeah. use and the platforms that you spend like hundreds far, of hours far too much time on. on yeah 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 i mean i remember like uh, being younger and like using the internet a lot and uh just assuming that there would be a time when i just wouldn't because in that you know kind of naive uh sense of like thinking like well my parents don't use internet so they obviously don't care about it but it's just because it's a completely different time and like if you're not brought up with something maybe but uh, yeah and kind of a slow dawning of oh shit we're stuck with this forever <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, which isn't to say that it's a bad thing, but uh, it's definitely a thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with social media. I think most people do. Yeah, there's some times when it's great and you really enjoy it. And then other times it's like, uh, well, one, it's maybe a, a burden or a pain. You have to, like, you feel like you need to update it. Or yeah. you're like, oh, I've not posted anything in a while or... I think age plays into a lot because I think when I, when I, if you take Instagram for example, I think for like the last two years have at least at first unconsciously pulled back from sharing as much and it's not even about not wanting people to see stuff or not wanting people to respond to things but I think it's to do with that kind of expectation and then like also in a slightly like uh Saturday it's like oh who cares like what does this even mean and like why am I doing this um which is stuff that I didn't think about like when I was younger because it was like I don't know if it's like you are I don't know if you're more inclined to overshare when you're younger or if it's 
to do with like just like youthful optimism I don't know but uh no I, I think I think like yeah you say like a love-hate relationship I think like it would be really difficult to find anyone who felt like strictly one way or the other with the internet or social media um and yeah I think like just purely through like unscientific observation when I look at like some of my peers who um I perhaps even just like met via social media those people are sharing less now as well and it's it's I think just like an unspoken thing that's happened and I don't know I'm obviously like thinking strictly about my experience of it um I'm sure there are other people who like relate to that or like other people who have no idea what I'm talking about and uh, I don't know if that's like an age thing or if it's like a current thing just because social media is like everywhere and I guess uh used in a slightly different way now as well yeah I mean I think from um like thinking about Instagram specifically I post like actual Instagram posts so much less Mm -hmm. because of stories Mm. so I'm much more inclined to just take five seconds ten seconds of video and just put that up Mm -hmm. and not really care too much about what it looks like or how polished or finished it is but then that's then makes me feel if I'm going to put an Instagram post up that's permanent that's there forever (laughs) yeah well then and then but I don't think that's a good idea either but then I just ultimately end up not posting and just making stupid little videos on stories yeah which is fine yeah which is totally fine um but I I, I kind of appreciate what you mean because it can it obviously with if with Instagram specifically stories are designed to like be there and then not be there um so I suppose like uh without it sounding like too heavy like you are committing to making a post and then sharing it and like having it stay there I mean obviously it doesn't have to stay there you can delete it you can archive it you can you can throw your phone in the river um but uh yeah I I can appreciate that like kind of thought process at least um although I think yeah uh I think if it comes to work I don't share I don't think I share much work on stories or drawings it's definitely tends to be the stuff that is like more in passing or like here's a thing I just bought by this person or like I like this person's work or which isn't to say that stuff doesn't deserve to be like a permanent post but uh um I suppose it is like a sense of I know it's an overused word but like curation or like it's like it's like a miniature uh more more updated portfolio <laughs> your your main feed mm-hmm. yeah um but yeah so let's jump back to your journey okay uh so we were in glasgow mm-hmm. yeah so glasgow and kind of did more of the same there like more marketing for cultural and then weirdly like sports organizations which was more fun than i thought it would be as someone who doesn't really care about sport um and yes uh I also when I was in Glasgow started doing ceramics so this would have been I think it was 2012 maybe um and I feel like having glossed over like just illustration a little bit um it was to do one of the reasons I started doing ceramics was um I'd felt like my process had become predictable in a way that it felt less fun for me um so in the sense that I I if I'm approaching something like for a client for example um I will maybe do some few thumbnails um but I feel 
and I don't know if this is necessarily a good thing like this is just always the way I've worked like quite certain quite early on and what I want something to look like and then I work towards achieving that image of course with a client there might be more back and forth but kind of in a more succinct sense and then um, creating the image and then it's done and that's nice and it's you know achieved something but I think there is a certain predictability there that I was kind of a little bit bored of just before we go into the ceramics yeah um that process that you're talking about yeah. like going through the thumbnails things like that how does that work um is that all like pencil and paper or is that digital like how how does that process how does the creation process work well can it, i suppose at that point and it's this, this could apply to now because i do more digital stuff now but um that might be for me at least i, I guess everyone's process differs uh some very kind of small rough sketch thumbnails that are I guess mostly about composition um and making sure that that what's in that composition reflects whatever the subject matter might be I guess I'm to maybe narrow it down because as someone who like quite likes doing lots of different things for example like editorial um taking what the person's the client's given you if it's like a, a an article or a brief and then trying to kind of summarize that in in an image or however many images Sending that to them, I, as someone who tends to over-explain things, probably will probably accompany that with an explanation of like what is what each one is. Possibly also because they might be very sketchy and not make any sense. And then maybe let them have a kind of from a gut feeling or whatever they feel like best suits what they what they need. They select one. I would like provide a first draft of what that might look like in terms of um, a more finished piece with colours. Um, send that back for alterations hopefully not too much back and forth um and if it were to go excessively beyond like two maybe three then it's a point where you need to like say something but uh and then uh work into a final with any other room for alterations and then hopefully be done and send somebody something completed um that's a very i suppose overview look at that process without all the kind of thinking and considering like what goes into those sketches perhaps in the first instance but um yeah I think that's to some degree how a lot of my kind of back and forth with someone might look like yeah so yeah I hijacked you just before you're about to go no, into that's ceramics okay. yeah I know I sometimes forget like uh what's obvious to me isn't obvious to other people <laughs> yeah so ceramics so um very purposely looking for something that got away from this this level of predictability and I even predictability like personally as well because despite the fact that you know if I'm making something for myself I could go in whatever direction I want to there's still like I felt like there was still a level of like I know what I want something to look like so I'll make it and then it's done so with ceramics being much more unpredictable in nature um I kind of still saw that as another um another uh, means of illustrating that was ultimately like what I was interested in rather than the kind of alchemy and chemistry of ceramics um but with the knowledge that uh, something is going to go right the first time or something might not react the way that you want it to it may well explode which I've not had too much experience with thankfully um and yeah just kind of looking for also actually um, another important part of that was something that I couldn't do like within a day or like an afternoon something that by nature has to be drawn out because if you're making something out of clay 
it will typically go in the kiln where you fire things twice. Um, so really you're looking at like at least a week if it's all kind of running like clockwork. So yeah, having something that just really kind of drew out that process in a way and didn't even necessarily change to some degree the illustrative part of it. Like, you know, I was still drawing, which I would do anyway, but um, yeah, the canvas is different. And I think the time involved just meant there was like longer to think about it or like an enforced kind of period of time to think about things. And so, I mean, how do you get, where do you start with that, with ceramics? It's a whole new medium, it's a whole new process as you're talking about, but like, so do you start on a teeny tiny little thing that you then try and how did you get access to like things like the, the equipment that you needed and stuff like that? Yeah, well, I started in a very kind of typical way of going to some beginners hand building classes. So that was very much everybody doing the same project at the same time um, for a series of weeks. I can't remember how many at the time, uh, um, how many it was now, but um, so initially it was much more about learning how to do certain ceramic techniques. And it really wasn't about like me applying illustration to it at all, but that was fine because as someone who was completely brand new to it, I was willing for once to have some patience in like learning about how to make something and do something that was quite different to what I would usually do. Um, Cause it obviously is like a very tangible medium. And um, I've always felt like, like for maybe more so in art college when we were like asked to do something that wasn't two dimensional, I've always kind of struggled with anything that was three dimensional. Like I remember having to make a sculpture in first year at uni and then I'm making like a flat mural on a window. I was like, I just can't, I can't get beyond this two dimensional thing. Um, but yeah, so having this um, form then that ultimately was what I would hope to draw on um, once I kind of learned the basics at least. Um, and sometimes that meant creating literally like a flat surface in a sense that was just not a piece of paper that I could still draw in so like um like a vessel of some description and then in other um doing hand building um uh, I would do like form small shapes and sculptures and then ultimately kind of do a three-dimensional illustration in a sense yeah because I find these little like um it's quite a few like classes and taster sessions and that that way of starting to learn a craft or a skill um or like part of a profession that you can sort of go along for a day or a couple of days and, and make something at the end of it and have something at the end of it and um i did a, a, a sign writing one recently which was really interesting and sort of it's that where you there are definite crossovers and some things that you do in the way that you work but there's lots of other things that you can apply to your practice and it's learning those those different skills all the time and having an appreciation for what other people do that actually pushes forward what what you do. Yeah. And I think also it's important to acknowledge the fact that, and I'll be slightly hypocritical after I say this, that learning a new skill doesn't have to then be applied to your like professional practice and mm -hmm. it doesn't have to like tie into what you do usually. And I actually don't think I even necessarily went into ceramics thinking that it would. Um, but it inevitably did, <laughs> which is not a bad thing at all. It's just kind of funny because it wasn't necessarily an intention and then it just kind of happened. And part of that was, you know, to then link back to like social media, to the response that I got from people f from just sharing like, oh, here's a thing that I just made. 
um which is such a kind of like off the cuff like sounds like oh yeah look at this thing i just created guys check it out but uh it would it would be a case of like sharing something and then people having a positive response to it and then it kind of like that quite naturally being like encouragement to be like oh well, i guess what i wonder what else i could do with this so um but i will say like initially at least because after that first set of classes um and you know acknowledging you're saying like how do you how do you have the space and like the equipment and materials like just quite frankly asking the tutor like I'd like to come back to your classes again but would you mind if I just do my own thing um and I think if someone like if a tutor was very like maybe uh I don't know just more strict about wanting people to like be there to respond to like their teaching then maybe they'd have said no um but he um was super open to that um and uh, after that block of classes <laughs> he approached myself and a couple of other people in the class and and I, externally other people who kind of expressed a similar interest and just said I'm gonna start like just having a little kind of open studio session once a week that will be structured in the same sense and that it'll be this number of weeks and it'll be the same hours and it'll be the same day and it'll be the same cost but you can all just come and do whatever you want and it was just like really amazing to have that space to then just come in and just progress by yourself but have someone on hand to like ask any questions because ultimately I still had no idea about the kind of chemistry of ceramics uh so it was very handy to have someone who did <laughs> but especially yeah. I mean like in Dundee we have a lot of different designers and creatives who have like specific equipment and skills and that to offer that um if we if we did open up that more yeah we could help that sort of cross-pollination and the the learning of skills and the sort of yeah like even if it doesn't become a big life-changing thing, it's maybe just a fun thing to go and do. And so. Yeah, I think like, and I do think um, that sometimes it's just to do with not being sure of like how to reach those people or mm -hmm. like, I guess, potentially having to then have it be like a source of admin is something to keep on top of, which it's not necessarily people's favourite thing to do. Um, like in terms of ceramics, um, like I'm on the committee of the ceramics workshop in Dundee and... Um, which hope that like there would be something that could facilitate that but then there there always just has to be certain parameters of like resources and you know pay and making sure that people who are teaching things get paid the right amount and that um yeah that you can cover overheads and stuff but uh but it's not to say that what you're saying shouldn't be a thing but I can understand why sometimes it just becomes harder than it sounds oh yeah, yeah. absolutely and it and it'll come down to that um, the sort of critical mass yeah. so if you have a certain number of people who are interested and you can get people either coming back or that there is a new audience and new people to come and do that then you're able to run that but as soon as it starts dropping below a certain level it then becomes more and more difficult and not worth the effort and then yeah. you have to do the marketing side of it and then it's, yeah. Yeah, it's just that's the part that can get hard especially if you're not being paid to do it mm -hmm. um, uh, but yeah I guess like no skill sharing's a very cool thing and I think we're lucky that there like are venues to learn things within like the city um but yeah it's just I guess making sure that things are accessible and that people know about those things that they'll go and yeah all yeah. those challenges yeah and, and I'm, I mean I'm just thinking through that at the moment and it's like maybe if we did more of that together so that the 
the ceramicists and the wood carvers and the graphic designers and the, all the other skills came together and there was an offering as a city-wide thing then maybe there's the opportunity to capture a wider yeah. audience for everyone um but then maybe that's just too much work you just never know 30 odd minutes so we should probably get to canada yeah <laughs> Jeez, half an hour yeah. goes fast when you're rambling. Yeah, so um, not necessarily on a whim. Like after a visit to Toronto with my boyfriend, um, we decided to try and move there after having, you know, a really great week. Um, and as someone who enjoys traveling but has never particularly felt inclined to do like backpacking or like any kind of long stint somewhere, I guess I quite like a sense of like, not even necessarily just routine, but like of home, um, felt like that could be a place where I could do that for a short while. Um, so applied for work permits and got them, which is not to suggest that that's necessarily an easy thing. It's just that I don't think you need to hear about the long process of applying for work permits in like 15 minutes. But um, yeah, and moved to Toronto in 2014. And um, we're fortunate enough to actually get to be there for three years, which is longer than the standard, um, uh, which was a really nice amount of time to then just like be part of like, like kind of feel settled in a place and know it. And um, yeah, a friend of mine um, who had, a, you know, going on a theme met via the Internet um, called Shana Stevenson um, told me about a an open um, access ceramics workshop called The Shop that was in Toronto and um, kind of started making some stuff with her for fun. We kind of did like an initial run of like four things. Um, excuse me, eight, like eight pieces. And then in, in, in following on from the ceramics in Glasgow and making things and then making more things because people responded well, the same thing happened. And then it became like a two-year collaboration where we made stuff together. And uh, that inadvertently became like our main focus like and we worked together for like the majority of that time uh which uh in contrast to being in scotland was the first time i'd ever been um self-employed full-time but with the um added benefit of having someone to kind of like work alongside uh, and share a space with um which as we have established i like doing um and yeah that was like a really great time and it was also a great way to then also develop a skill um whilst being able to st like sustain um like myself in terms of like financially but also like um creatively and um and and sharing things again like uh and feeding back to what I was saying before like sharing things online kind of fueled other things and um uh yeah no it was a really really good time um with making work and then yeah feeling creatively fulfilled but also um not being skint. <laughs> it's like the holy grail, right? The right. <laughs> not be skint and be creative. I know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then obviously it was too good to be true and I had to like <laughs> move back to Scotland, which is not to say that was a bad thing. We well, didn't have to. <laughs> well, I guess not. But um, there was a, like my boyfriend and I had always under, like had the understanding that we would come back to Scotland at some point. Like three years is a really nice time, like amount of time to do something. And um, neither of us could really be arsed with the bureaucracy of trying to like stay in another country. And also Toronto is insanely expensive for rent and it was kind of hard to kind of 
picture like what our future looked like in that city specifically and as two people in a massive country with like ties within that city but not really anywhere else it was kind of like well then where do we go from there and um yeah it just it made a lot of sense for us to come back uh and we came back to Dundee why Dundee then well in a really kind of boring and uh non-romantic way um my boyfriend got a job here <laughs> which is so often the case yeah, yeah but then it was there was definitely a sense of um like relief in that we were moving somewhere that was familiar because having just come from somewhere where well one of the reasons I we went to Toronto other than having liked it a lot when we visited was that I actually knew a lot of people from the internet there and I just made them all be my friends in real life um uh, but then the kind of benefit of like moving back to Dundee was that there were already people here that we still knew and it was familiar and um, it took off that kind of edge of that, that massive amount of change of kind of coming back to somewhere and kind of not starting from scratch because we already had like a base, but um, certainly getting back into the swing of things, like finding a studio, which after having a studio in Toronto was something I was quite adamant that I wanted, um, which is not to like say that working in a spare room is a bad thing. I just felt like if I'm going to be doing this all the time, then I'd like to have somewhere to go to to do that. Um, and I've been quite fortunate in being able to do that since coming back. So where where's your studio? Oh, at Wasps, naturally. <laughs> like Obviously, there are other studios in the city, um, but it was the one I was the most familiar with. And... Um, uh, I kind of asked around and it ended up somebody was looking to sublet some of their space, which for me at that time, uh, kind of re-establishing like how I made my income and also just not having a lot of stuff, um, was quite happy to do that. And um, then not, well, maybe longer later than I'd have liked because I know that um, there's like a lack of studio space in Dundee. Um, I got my own studio, um, which is where I am now. And so what what does that what does that studio set up look like? What's it got in it? Well, I would like to say it looks cute and has lots of nice stuff in it. And it has lots of nice stuff in it. It's just there's also a lot of cardboard boxes and bubble wrap and stuff all over the floor. Um it's kind of funny. I think maybe having a nice studio or a nice looking studio on a surface level is maybe something that would have been more important to me as someone posting more on Instagram when I'm in my younger days and now I'm just like I don't care like I'm making work here and that's that's enough um at the moment it's split kind of uh two-thirds like desk couch cardboard boxes and then a third for ceramics um like I have a pottery wheel and um some space to make work um just because it's a, a messy endeavor and although I am generally quite tidy, yeah, that wall was a, a means of trying to like separate that kind of both mentally and just in terms of dust. <laughs> and so you, I suppose you've you've experienced three big cities. Mm. Um, now, as you talked about this, the, the sort of your digital friends becoming like a real world community. Yeah. Um, but I'm interested to, to sort of get your thoughts on how those cities differ in mm. terms of like physical real world community aspect of it okay um that's interesting because i mean i'm like from fife and so each time i've moved somewhere until coming back to dundee 
I've moved somewhere bigger than where I was before. So when I came to Dundee, I was like, oh my God, it's massive. And then I moved to Glasgow, I was like, oh my God, this is huge. And then I moved to Toronto, I was like, holy shit, it's like the fourth biggest city in North America. Um, so actually coming back to Dundee uh, was kind of interesting because uh, it really highlighted like how small Dundee really is, um, kind of geographically at least. Uh, but I guess, like when coming to Dundee at first, and I think then going through the process of being a university here and then um, getting a job here and having that time to set up those relationships, like I felt quite involved and I felt like it was easy to know what was going on in the city because it's so small and because I think people are quite vocal about it. And then moving to Glasgow, although I knew people there, I kind of felt less creatively tied to Glasgow and I don't know if that's to do with me and maybe just like as I've gotten older I've become maybe more of a private person or if it's to do with Glasgow being like having quite a, a big focus on fine art um, uh, for, or like con contemporary art um, and it may be not feeling so important to me and maybe it's just like a reliance on like the internet in some sense but just not being as involved in much stuff and then moving to Toronto and it being different in that I didn't know people and it felt like in order to meet people who weren't the people that I forced to be my friends, uh, I had to go out and do things. Um, and it's obviously, I mean, obviously to me, I suppose, maybe not to everyone else, it is a very creative city um, and there's lots going on there naturally with the sides of it. Um, and yeah, uh, I personally found it kind of easy to kind of integrate into that. Um, and I suppose the difference between, for example, Toronto and Dundee is like, I think in Dundee, it's quite, it feels easier to know a lot of what's going on. Whereas in Toronto, it never felt like that was something that I necessarily needed to do because there's so much going on that it's just like, there wouldn't really be much point in kind of feeling aware of everything. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then coming back here, still kind of feel quite I, I relate to like that my initial kind of thoughts of Dundee and, and knowing what's happening here and it being a creative space um so coming back to that kind of full circle I suppose so uh, yeah how yeah having gone sort of through the, the three cities and come back here um obviously you said it was sort of somewhat stability based that decision um, which it is for for a bunch of people especially ones I've spoken to on the podcast but mm. how do we get more creative talent to look at Dundee as a, a viable option to either continue or to develop or to start their creative career that's an interesting and probably quite hard question um, I mean I will say that I guess mostly based on like just hearing things I do think that has evolved over like you know 10 years so I think I've I graduated in 2008 so yeah I feel like it's kind of like quite a long time to kind of like look at how maybe people felt then versus now because I mean I stayed um but I stayed because I had a job and a flat and then for people who didn't have those it was like well it wasn't even like a consideration that they would stay um, and I don't know, I like to hope that that's not necessarily the case now, but I can understand that like just sometimes it's about practical reasons. But 
in terms of the city and what it can do to retain people or encourage people to stay here and be creative or even I guess come back here as I did um it's hard like I think the good thing is there's like and always has been like this very um kind of cohesive and clear underlying kind of desire for to let people know that that's the case um because I know when there was like obviously the spotlight on Dundee in the last couple of years it's like oh it's such a creative place and it's kind of like well yeah but we all know that it always was um which isn't to say that a spotlight is not good but it is kind of funny when you feel like you've been here for a while and you've you've seen all this kind of all these things happening um I kind of I think one thing I wish and this is like a wish because I know this is like probably beyond my economic understanding but I feel like it's probably quite hard for young people to set up things that aren't just in their bedrooms or in their spare rooms or their studios um I often wish there was like more kind of front-facing stuff happening in Dundee like there's obviously so many like empty shop units and uh I know that um there have been projects that have taken place in some of those but they're quite often by like organizations or more established people and I don't think that it's feasible for younger people to do those things and it would be kind of cool if it were because it would bring a whole new perspective and um provide that kind of opportunity for people to then use that as a, a chance to be creative and maybe kind of start something rather than continue something um yeah i think that thing absolutely that removing that that barrier of having somewhere that you can go to and that you can work that you don't have to worry about the, the the financial element of that especially for the first six months to a year could be like the difference between you actually considering it as an option and just looking for a job instead yeah um and i think there's a lot of complexities like economic and financial that all tie into that and how the city works and i think having done design festival um and sort of started to get a little bit of an understanding of how those sorts of things work and mm -hmm. a lot of it can be tied to business rates which yeah. are scottish government controlled so therefore the local authority um collects business rates um f on behalf of scottish government and then gives them straight to scottish government so if they have a tenant in there um either the tenant pays or the council is responsible for that shortfall so and obviously we don't have a local authority that is um blessed with a lot of money at the moment yeah so those opportunities are few and far between but they're i've sort of heard murmurings that they are looking at that structure and the potential to give local authorities the power of collecting those rates themselves so that could potentially have an impact and a change on how those empty spaces are used yeah that would be cool um and it, in my opinion it's something that just has to happen because otherwise the the emptiness of our city centres is only going to increase yeah um or we're going to be reliant on big chains coming in and filling up those spaces which is not necessarily Ooh, what you want not into that at all i mean obviously the scale city-wise population-wise is completely different but like i always felt like an energy of walking around a city like toronto where there's lots of like independent shops whether that is they're like boutiques or they're like creative spaces or they uh, you know sell food their bakeries or kind of groceries um and it's different obviously like 
it's definitely like kind of like pipe dream sort of thing but like you obviously then have to have the audience who can sustain that business you know people can't just act on a whim and then hope that it works out for the best although you can it's just that it might not work out I guess but um yeah uh that it would be I would love if that kind of at least then level of energy kind of could um could translate to this smaller place where you'd hope that like there's still that opportunity to create that um and we just maybe need to figure out like how (laughs) within the parameters that we've got and I think um, what you said earlier, we went through this like phase of, of the spotlight. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> um, we, we're now in a, we're coming into a, a post spotlight era yeah. for Dundee. Um, yeah, we still have to keep working hard, like no, no rest on your laurels. Well, that, that, that's kind of <laughs> it. And as you say, that, that creative community has always been there. It's always been working hard and trying to develop and that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. It's just that, yeah, there's been a lot more press coverage and and like interest for lack of a better word in the city um so it's kind of like we we need to just keep going and working as hard as we were before and pushing like punching above our weight as a as a creative community as a city in order to to get that recognition um that i mean i would argue that we deserve that we don't always get because of our geographic location because of yeah, just who we are and what we do. It's it's not it's not a London, it's not an Edinburgh, it's not a Glasgow, and it it, it will never be. No. Um, and mm. we should never want to be that. We should want to be our own thing. Yeah, I think aspiring to the energy is fine. I don't think it's about aspiring to be like Glasgow. I think it's it's um, yeah, it's like I guess aspiring to like make your own mark and yeah it's just I guess it's hard work and I, I totally appreciate like that burnout is a thing and that like limited resources are a thing um and those things will always be things um yeah it is a it is an interesting kind of um I wouldn't say problem but like uh thing to figure out so like looking forward um like for you personally what what does the future hold oh man i'm really not very good at this question like i did a talk at the art college a couple of years ago and i very much i was like about business which uh, i will be quite frank and say is not something i feel i'm good at for myself personally like um uh like i have done marketing for other like people and like admin and I'm very organized but when it is all down to me I find it quite difficult and I think that translates into like not being very good at kind of looking beyond like the next year which I've just never been very good at anyway um yeah so I did this talk because I felt like obliged to have some sort of uh future kind of vision uh my like last slide was about the fact that I really want to get a dog (laughs) (laughs) it's like my one life goal um uh so I guess I'm not going to deny the fact that to some extent it's still like muddling through and like kind of to some degree trying new things. Um, I kind of, yeah, it feels like I don't want it to sound like defeated, but like I don't necessarily, I feel much more sure of myself like than I did 10 years ago, but I by no means feel like I have things figured out. And uh, as someone who's like chosen to not do that very kind of traditional stereotypical thing of like 
have a career, have babies, have a car, or even know how to drive, quite frankly. Um, yeah, I kind of, there is like a sense of like, um, uh, still trying to like kind of find your place in the world. But then I also just don't think that that necessarily has to be a bad thing, just because it's not even different, because I'm sure a lot of people who listen to your podcast can probably relate anyway. Um, but at least for now, um, I'm kind of working to reestablish having like a ceramics practice again in order for that to be something that can grow and change. Because um, at least in, in Toronto, the focus on that was like very much about production. And I would quite like to kind of not completely move away from that, but definitely to some degree see where else ceramics can go in a much more like expressive and illustrative way and have that be um not limited to here's a beautiful object that you can use and as someone who loves beautiful objects will absolutely have space for those but maybe see where else it can go having at least learn the skills that I feel like I need to be able to like achieve that um but that's obviously like quite a big personal project um work-wise outside of personal stuff um I'm just quite flexible in what that means and like what comes my way um and I kind of even though we were talking about sharing less and not sharing as much I think there's a part of me that having taken semi-unconsciously like time out from doing that so much and over that time kind of like hearing less about what sharing means and like not needing to like have something be like uh have something receive like oh look all these people like like this thing um using that kind of change of heart and um just using that as a as a means of like um using that platform to keep on sharing things and and maybe have it be more about like what I want to do rather than what I kind of feel other people expect of me um and seeing what that means and also kind of trying to find ways for illustration and and what I do to be more meaningful beyond looking nice um because there's absolutely something to be said for beautiful work that makes people feel a certain way um but uh I would quite like to find ways to just kind of have maybe more meaning or use that skill to uh amplify things that are important to me um yeah those are quite like vague aspirations in a sense but uh yeah just actually vocalizing a lot of stuff that's been swimming around my head for a while um can you recommend anything you've been watching reading listening to recently yeah um i'm probably not gonna have a lot of recommendations um one is fine like, one is yeah. fine um i just reread a book that i quite like um called walking distance by an illustrator called lizzie stewart um and as someone in her like 30s and not following like a very kind of defined route through that and sometimes kind of wondering about her place in the world and like whether that is like far too like navel gazy like it's uh yeah that's a, a really nice 
um, illustrated short, um, I guess, essay. Um, I'm quite, I used to be really good at listening to lots of podcasts when I did more ceramics because it's like there was a certain like autopilot uh, that that I kind of went into. But um, if there's people looking for like content on illustration, there's a great podcast called Make It Then Tell Everyone um, where there's illustrators talking about their processes. Um, and I don't know. I guess something I saw yesterday that's interesting as a sort of like overview of the illustration industry is something called the Illustrator Survey that has been held for I think the last few years by an illustrator called or with the alias Ben the Illustrator. I've said the word illustrator and illustration far too much in the last like 30 seconds. But uh, yeah, if anyone's kind of or like, you know, starting out or just intrigued as to like maybe what that looks like in a sense, because I guess it has to be taken with a pinch of salt because um it's a survey that will have been completed by lots of people using social media and in the uk but uh yeah the illustrator survey results came out yesterday so if anyone likes statistics and drawing then maybe have a look at it <laughs> and if if anyone wants to find you yeah um or commission you for work or buy some of your work where do they do that oh they can totally do that um i have a website it's jen-collins.com because jencollins.com has been sat on by a host and I check every so often and it still makes me mad um but yeah and from there I have like an online shop um where I sell products that I make um not a huge like swathe of products I quite like keeping things kind of a bit more succinct um and I do use Instagram and Twitter and on Instagram I'm jen.collins and then I think on Twitter I'm hello Jen Collins because uh, it's just too hard to be consistent everywhere. <laughs> cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> that was episode 92. Thank you very much to Jen uh, for coming on the podcast. Uh, one thing I forgot, I totally forgot to mention to her, um, was her open close street art trail door. It's one of my favourites, if not, absolute favourite from all of them um, it's just a whole bunch of cats just really nicely illustrated on the door and it's uh, in the Stobsville tour and it's it's awesome uh, I totally forgot to mention that oh. but yeah um, if you've not seen Jen's work already do go and check it out and buy some nice things from her shop um, yeah before I go I've got a couple of things to mention um, as I said at the start I still need your questions so please um, episode 99 is going to be a bit dull um, if I don't get many questions, it'll just be me and sort of static for 30 minutes. Um, but yeah, so please do keep sending them in. So it's at CCC Dundee on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, if you want to send me a question that I'll answer in episode 99. Um, yeah, but the last thing. So something exciting is happening next week on the podcast. Um, we are doing a special podcast exchange of the sort of northeast of Scotland. I had Ica Hedlum down uh, from Aberdeen who runs the Creative Me podcast up there so it's kind of like the creative chit chat of Aberdeen <laughs> um, and we've sort of both been running the podcasts about the same amount of time and around about the same amount of episodes and actually we've had very similar experiences both sort of self-funded um, yeah just been working away and sort of celebrating the creativity that's in the city and helping sort of share that knowledge and understanding of 
of what people are up to, really. Um, so yeah, I thought it was good. It'd be good to get them down, do an episode. Um, so that'll be coming out next week, and my episode with Icat will be going out on Monday the ninth. Uh, of March so give that a listen as well and uh, sort of tap into that there's a little bit of crossover I think, um, definitely Katie Guthrie who's been on Creative Chit Chat um, has done an episode of Creative Me um, and there might be some others I've not done them research on that Oops. Uh, but yeah, it's another great resource and way of tapping into finding out like all the stuff that's going on in Aberdeen so go and give that a listen as well um, but yeah We'll hear from Micah next week all about that. Um, But yeah, that's it. So until next week, bye.